0: Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's two lips, two lungs, and one Alkaline Trio song.
1: Two lips, two feet, two elbows, two knees, two ears, two eyes. One knows one David Anthony, one Tim Crisp, one podcast about Alkaline Trio called As You Were a Podcast About Alkaline Trio, the podcast. Number one, and number two, welcome to As You Were a Podcast About Alkaline Trio. Every week on this show, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, we're talking about a No Means No song. Mm-hmm. That we sure are. As performed by... Hold on. The Alkaline Trio. Mm, I was yes. checking, checking my notes. Uh, it's hard to keep track of, I'm aware.
0: Um, well, Tim, before we get into it. When was the first time you heard this? Because I don't believe you heard this album, and I'm sure you didn't hear the deluxe edition of it that it was released on, so walk me through. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, the first time that I heard this cover of the No Means No song by the Alkaline Trio was this morning. Mm. But I've heard this No Means No song before because mm-hmm. i like many have tried to listen to no means no and i've said i'm sorry i'll try means no mm-hmm. that's the na- that's the name that i would uh give no means no if uh if i was in the band i would say it's called i'll try but no at the end of the day it's just not happening for me. Although, funny band, what a funny band!
0: Funny band, very weird band. Um, band I love quite deeply. Um, saw them I think on what was their last show in Chicago. Uh, very glad I got to see them one time. <clears throat> your co one means one. Yeah, your co-host Brennan Kelly was at that show, and it's the most excited I've seen him about literally anything in my life. Um. <laughs> Also just like the image of him standing dead center at Reggie's in the middle of the pit with people bouncing off of him, So he just intently stares at the band is all but seared into my brain. Uh, it's the most intense I've ever seen that man. Uh, and he was enjoying himself. Um, so there's that, <laughs> but, uh, no means no. I fucking love, I think they are brilliant, uh, in a lot of respects. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried the record 1, but I feel like that's the one you would enjoy, you know, with the 6-minute long cover of Beat on the Brat and then a faithful recreation re- recreation of the song Bishop's Brew by Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Um that seems probably most up your lane. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, Zone is a fucking weird band and they come from the lineage of weird fucking 80s bands from Canada. Uh which is a really interesting thing to kind of get into. Um, You know, they are to punk and hardcore what Voivod was to thrash metal. Mm -hmm. Um, You also get, you know, you know, SNFU had a lot of weird energy in them. And I think a lot of these Canadian bands like really did have a large influence on underground music, though it doesn't get they didn't have the success for it to get talked about in the same uh, esteem. All that being said, importance does not equate to anyone needing to enjoy a thing. Uh, so, there's that. And I totally understand why people do not like them. Because it's pretty alienating. I think you can look at it and be like, oh, this is like funk, punk stuff. Uh-huh. which like, it definitely skirts a line in being very bass heavy. But I think when you start as a bass and drums band, that is going to happen unless you are the most boring band on earth. Um, (laughs) So yeah, very odd throughout the entire career. Um, But I find them to be very rewarding. Uh, Yeah. And I think they, the alienation and ugliness is something that I think they uh, very much express through how they make you feel when you listen to their records, Uh, their biggest record, most popular record is the song is the album that this song is from, which is called Wrong. And boy does listening to that record feel that way. Uh sure does. So but this song is probably the most accessible one in the catalog, if I had to really put a pick one. Like it's the shortest, it's the most kind mm-hmm. of traditionally punk. Um but it does have a really long alienating midsection. And then an odd vocal only outro. Mm-hmm. And uh I get why that's not for everybody. So like
1: what's the what would you say is like the spiritual predecessor of No Means No, or just
0: a um like comparable act. I mean, I don't know if there is one given how early they start, Mm -hmm. you know? We're talking, in the case of No Means No, they they weren't nearly as prolific as a lot of their bands, but they started in 1979. Mm. So, like, it's not like they are late to the punk game or late to the hardcore game. They're really just kind of in their own lane from the very start. You know, if you're going to say someone that they are spiritual cousins with I, I think Voivod is a fair
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: comparison though that is obviously about more weird guitar scronky stuff in thrash metal um but i mean they pull a lot from the label that they were on which is alternative tentacles which was kind of a home for the weirdo bands like mm-hmm. the dead kennedys and jill be offer basically made this place to be like Oh, we'll release No Means No Records and we'll release records by the False Prophets, the only New York hardcore band that New York hardcore people don't talk about because they are weird and like Mm -hmm. arty and strange and don't fit into what New York hardcore was Um, and arguably aren't hardcore. They're very like art punk where there's a five and a half minute long song where he's like, I am the taxidermist i kill the posers like shit like that like Mm -hmm. it's like if you want to hear music where it's like a guy who's wearing gloves and no shirt vamping at you about like nuclear war that's really the scene they're a part of
1: um and how would i know that what he's wearing by listening to it that's
0: my question i mean watch a video of the dead candies you get the idea um but really they're a band that like I think occupies a unique space. Again, like I think what you you really do hear later on is like they're doing funky punk hardcore stuff before the big boys who get a lot of credit for that. Uh-huh. You could say the Minutemen, but it's it's really parallel to yeah. a degree. And I think the Minutemen is much more guitar focused than No Means No is in terms mm-hmm. of how those songs kind of play off that dynamic. Whereas the guitar in here, like if you listen to wrong, a lot of times you'll be like, wait, there's a fucking guitar on this record. Um, But it's really just (laughs) undercutting and like trebly and ugly. And then obviously you can say stuff like primus or whatever uh, I think is a post corollary, but I don't think that's really, I don't think any of those fit really well. I think they're kind of singular and I think they are like, you know, I guess maybe like a Mr. Bungle, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of like you, you, when I compare them, I'm comparing them to weirdo bands that don't really have other bands that sound directly like them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there is like an art school element to it that I'm intrigued by because Mm. I feel like the relationship between punk and art school is a tenuous one Mm -hmm. and to me like no means no feels like a bit of a performance piece Mm -hmm. am i am i going too far in finding it like i guess from the outside looking in is it like is it that i'm not getting it or is it that it is like pretty pretentious and i just gotta like deal
0: see i don't think it's that pretentious i don't think stuff that's inherent inherently alienating is pretentious because it's also like their performance art piece is -hmm. their hockey theme pop punk band the hansen brothers um where they dress up in Mm -hmm. mullet wigs and sing songs about hockey and also do album length covers of the ramones Mm -hmm. um i just think it's you know When you talk about the relationship between punk and art school, we're really going to discuss, we have to discuss the British post-punk movement where you get bands like Wire and that whole scene of Gang of Four Mm -hmm. where that starts, right? And I think there's an inherent difference between the European and Canadian versions of that and American, Mm -hmm. because American thinks that that comes from money, whereas in communities that are... Have even the most minor socialist policies and art school programs. That's just a valid choice you can make. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I think there is an American bias against that term. <laughs> that when we're looking at it globally, is a little unfounded. That is a good. That's
1: an interesting point. And you you read like any like any like British punk musicians biography or autobiography. They all go to art school and it's like oh well i was working class but he was middle class and mm. um and yeah it is i think it is an interesting point because i definitely go to a certain type of like white upper middle class mm. suburban art school type who in my interactions on the streets. mm Purposefully annoying in a way that makes me want to die.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's <laughs> the thing. Like, that is a true thing. And I think does become an issue in American punk and hardcore. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I think without a band like No Means though, no, you don't get a band like Fucked Up. mm which mm-hmm. they're obviously doing different things, but they're both maximalist in the opposite ways, right? Yeah, whereas No Me music is very busy, it's definitely very jazz inspired. <clears throat> but I think what they do is very effective in a lot of reasons. Is like if you look at their album covers, especially early on, Wrong Day mm-hmm. Everything Became Nothing, Mama uh, Isolated Parts, uh, Small Parts Isolated and Destroyed. It's all very propaganda and mm-hmm. cartoony. Yeah. And what they're doing, in my estimation has always been that they're using symbols, iconography, those kind of very big, crass, like, alienating ideas, and packaging them in a way that's supposed to be this mass consumerist idea. That's, you know, their name is was famously taken from an anti-rape slogan and then on the mm-hmm. cover of wrong is that name a picture of a cow and the word wrong which like is definitely pushing an agenda about animal rights animal cruelty mm-hmm. um when i think you look at the day everything came, nothing when you're talking about like this very like sci-fi indebted like pulpy comic book style cover and a record mm-hmm. that's like seems largely consumed with like uh, nuclear fallout and destruction of humanity. Uh, I think there there is that arty approach, but I think you know they're able to back it up by making music that makes you, like I said, it makes you feel wrong. It expresses the way that this is, uh, you know, that the, the fact that like there's a difference between a band like a lot of the discord bands that sing about war because Discharge sang about war. Mm -hmm. Um, but they Mm -hmm. were trying to sound very militaristic and like express that idea. I think there's worth in that. And I think to their degree, they're kind of looking in at something that I don't think is reflected out as much. And I think it's kind of a precursor to tie this to the band where you talk about Alkaline Trio. I think the reason you see someone like Matt Skiba being into them, in the late nineties and Brennan Kelly was. And the fact like this band was a mm-hmm. thing to rally around is when you look at the weirdo Chicago art punk scene that time with bands like sweep the, like Johnny or, yeah. you know, like Lester King or even some of the stuff that's in that tortoisey, you know, like deranged realm or even the shellac stuff mm-hmm. that kind of touches all bases yeah. in a sense. Like it's kind of running parallel or counter to all of that. Um, I remember hearing a famous story of when uh, – I think this is when No Means Know was briefly a four-piece with two drummers where, like, they played the fireside and Mats was just, like, pogoing in the pit the whole time as the story was told to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Their band then inspires a lot of devotion in the same way that, like, the Melvins do or shit like that where it's, like, yeah. this is, like, really weird stuff that, like – you can see as being pretentious, but I think the people who are into it, see it as being like, well, who else is doing it? And mm-hmm. if we, if we think of art in a, cause music is art. So, you know, whatever art school music, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I have more of a predisposition to the kids who go to like Berkeley college of music, where it's like, Oh yeah, you can make really good emo music. Cause you know how to play every note on that guitar real well.
1: Uh huh.
0: Podcast for another day. Um, I, I think there's something to where it's like, I like bands who are very singular and kind of pave their own path where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, no means no, we're going to play by anyone's rules. And if you look at the Virus 100 comp, the Alternative Tentacles release number 100, where it's bands covering other bands, mostly the mm-hmm. Kennedys, you know, you get Napalm Death doing a great uh, Nazi punks fuck off cover, but you get No Means No doing a fully a cappella version of Forward to Death, which... <laughs> No one else is going to try that shit. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's,
1: um, I think interesting the way that this band seems to be very at home with, like, the shellac and then, I guess, like, the thrill jockey Mm -hmm. and Jesus Lizard, uh, you know, Chicago bass, um, but no means no is from Canada, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is like it is um it is cool i th- I think to consider just like how holistic they are and how much they seem to be like devoted to doing um you know those album covers are all super different, but they're all like part of the same like milieu of like mm-hmm. posts world war two dread Mm -hmm. and there is something that's like almost nihilistic about it but also yeah i mean i i do like a little bit of it i came in advocating for the devil (laughs) but it is cool like when you look at you look at bands that when you zoom out you see that it was more than just like them being a band that made music they kind of took all of these things into into one and like created a little universe around it that spoke to the outside world and like um have like kind of a progressive agenda in just their expression itself
0: yeah i mean i think you know especially the post wrong stuff i i think their 90s output's really interesting like The first No Means No record I heard, because it was the most recent one, I believe, to when I discovered them, was Dance of the Headless Bourgeoisie. And it's a very difficult record. And the title track from that record is like one of the most uncomfortable listens I've ever had. The first time hearing a song where it's nearly nine minutes long, and it's very jagged and ugly, no means no music. And essentially the lyrics are just a ransom letter about them having... Taking this woman captive and demanding money from the rich people who have, uh, held them down and then cutting off her head and sticking it up mm-hmm. her ass and like doing all this really gross, like and it just builds and it's the closest I've ever felt musically really to a horror movie, like more than something like city hunter or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, they really know how to like pull you the fuck in. Um, but I think a lot of that stuff, like just really builds on that kind of tradition where it's not that different from Prayer to God by Shellac, Mm -hmm. Um, in essence. It just Mm -hmm. takes it really, really, really far. Um, And I think, you know, there was a self-awareness there where, like, when I saw them on their final tour, they had two tour-only EPs, one of which was called Old, because they're old. And there's a Mm -hmm. song called (laughs) Old, you know? It's like fucking bad company on the record, bad company by bad company or bad religion on the record, bad religion by bad religion. But Mm -hmm. they're just fucking old. They were 60 years old and they sang about being fucking old. Um, Still in a very alienating way where the song was slow and kind of lumbering. And it's like, Oh yeah, they're fucking old now. That's what this is about. Um, And I think that's, that's an interesting thing where a band doesn't, unlike a band like Alkaline Trio, unlike a band like bad religion, unlike a band like insert most bands, they were never tethered to a style because it was the style was a way to back up the subject matter, not vice Mm -hmm. versa. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think one of the big things that is missed in our current era of music discourse is that, uh, people confuse substance for subject, uh, almost all the time. Are you Uh, sure? So music, music, uh, (laughs) So I think they are the antithesis of that. Yeah. Um I think the more and more we're talking
1: about them the more they remind me of a band like Suicide. Sure. Um, yeah. Though I think Suicide was a little too sporadic to have like fully carved out like a like larger distinction um beyond like first record really has like and i guess the like live at max's yeah um has a thing and their 80s records are really good too but they it seems to be like something that both of those people are kind of 75 percent in on they're doing other shit too
0: yeah and and they're an interesting one because their influence is so large it looms Mm -hmm. so large like you don't get bruce springsteen covering your songs if that's not fucking hidden somebody, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, this can all tie back to the Velvet Underground of like sold forty thousand records, but everyone started a band. You know? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I think influence is important. If people don't get that out of it, that's also fine. You mm-hmm. know, like I think that is okay to evolve over time. But I also to bring this to Alkaline True on this cover, it's why I love them covering this because I think on its face, you those two bands seem walking distant miles away from each other Mm -hmm. uh and like i think you know this is a very faithful cover of it you know the dual vocal thing the weird kind of affected approach to it the long middle section of just like on the bass. Mm -hmm. um this is not this is probably not a fan favorite alkaline trio cover song if i had to guess I would not think so.
1: Um, And it's so funny, I think, to think about it in context of this addiction where this is kind of the energy that they were talking about doing with this release that's just not in the material or the performances at all. No. And then, like, this tossed off really funny tribute has everything and it's like i'm not suggesting that you put this on the record but you definitely should have just put some of what was in the air yeah no
0: kidding i mean that's the thing is i've always really liked the deluxe edition we have some more songs to talk about specifically a couple dance songs that i think have a really good energy to them um but yeah i mean i agree with that like when they're talking about going to the roots like this band kind of is their roots like they were notable fans of them they Mm -hmm. enjoyed them enough to cover them and do it well. And there were stories of them back in the day, like being at those shows. So I kind of love that move. And it's, it's a little more obscure than like covering the misfits. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think it speaks to their intention early on of like allowing songs to be a little weirder to take these turns that are like have longer instrumental passages that aren't anchored by vocals. Um, Really the dual vocal coupling that you see on God damn it you kind of see where they were maybe piecing some of those ideas together from. Yeah, that
1: is an interesting point. Um, one that I definitely had not considered. Um, but cool too, because it's like the lack of, I think like cohesion in those. And we know that part of that is that Dan recorded his backups earlier. Absolutely. But, I think that, like, maybe the maybe that's um, maybe that's a good reason, like, why they were like cool with allowing that to happen is because yeah they were cribbing from no means no a little bit or at least enough to just be like well it doesn't have to like match up we know yeah. how that. we know which, how which like most sound.
0: people would not do so mm-hmm. like there's definitely some sort of weird obtuse influence that they were like no that's cool Mm -hmm. you know you you, that comes from somewhere it could be no means no it could be the coexisting to a lot of weird chicago indie art punk noise rock shit Mm -hmm. you know there's a it's a chicken or an egg but like they were definitely around it and playing with that as much as they were playing with like ska bands on asian man like they were in a weird lane where they could pull from a lot and i think that benefited them um So two stories about this song Mm -hmm. before we wrap. I saw them play this on the This Addiction Tour. And memory, yes, Cursive opened that, which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. Now, Cursive has a song where they kind of stop and it's quiet for a little bit. And then they come back into it. And a lot of people in the crowd were not familiar with cursive. So they stop and start clapping. And I was close up and just saw Tim Kasher laughing when they came back into it. Mm -hmm. Because obviously that's that's the design thing. And that doesn't happen when you're playing a headlining show. Right? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. So then Alkaline Trio gets up on stage and they play this song. And I'm like, whoa, they're doing the No Means No cover. That's sick. And I'm in the crowd, I'm the only person singing along that I can see, because I'm looking around, and I'm having a great time, Mm -hmm. and the long bass part comes in, and everyone's just like, looking around, and they finish it, and in the peripherals next to me that I can hear, someone goes, whoa, what was that? And his friend goes, it was a Lawrence Arms cover. I did not correct him for obvious reasons, but there's a video on uh YouTube <laughs> that I encourage everyone to check. And it's, uh, Trio playing the song live at smalls in ham Michigan. This is like, uh-huh. uh, I think the, the story goes that they were on the warp tour for part of that summer. And after playing the warp tour, they booked a show in the small club and decided to like, you know, do a secret show at a club called smalls fairy on the nose. And they play this, and you can see they're a little loose, Matt's shirtless, wearing camo pants, just, like, Mm -hmm. true, great look. Mm -hmm. And they go into the song. He gives, like, a weird intro to it. He's, like, clearly in a place where, like, he knows what he's about to do is going to alienate people. And it gets to that long bass part, and he's on his knees, like, leaned back in front of Dan, like, trying to take in the rock. And people are talking, And he's just like, shut up! Shut up! And then he gets up on the mic and yells into it so loud, and it's funny because the person's filming from like kind of behind the band, Mm -hmm. like kind of behind Dan, and you can tell how loud he's yelling by how loud his voice comes out of the monitor back at the camera. (laughs) He's like, shut the fuck up! He's doing a bass solo! Which is usually what's said when anyone is doing a bass solo. (laughs) Uh, Um... It might as well just be a sticker that bass players have on their chest. Uh so I think they had a lot of fun with this one and I think they knew no one was gonna really get it, and I don't think they cared. And like you said, I wish that energy had showed up in any of the material they made for the album This Addiction. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. What do you I've, rate it? I've lived. Uh <laughs> I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5.
1: I am going to give it a 3 out of 5 plus 1 for that impassioned delivery. Um, one time, this really isn't related, but I want to share it anyway. I mm-hmm. saw Dinosaur Jr. and it was... No, It well, Dinosaur Jr. was playing and I think Steve Gunn was opening and mm. he uh he changed his guitar and he was playing uh an SG a Gibson SG and there's this real blowhard behind me who was just talking all night and he says to his friend an SG two words Angus Young I was like
0: what the fuck
1: Wow. Talking to your 12-year-old friend who's taking guitar lessons? Weirdo. Jesus Um, Christ. (laughs) Angus Young. People love rock and roll, man. I love rock and roll, and I love doing podcasts, especially this one, As You Were a Podcast About Alkaline Trio. Me and my friend David, we do this show because we like talking to each other. And sure do. this is a really fun and enjoyable way to do so. And we thank you all for joining us this week. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. Uh, we just did a cool little wrap-up for from here to infirmary. Over there, and like if you go, you can vote on songs and you can listen to us talk about other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, check that out. David had a very fun interview with our friend Dan Ozzy that you can all listen to. Subscribe to Dan's newsletter com And uh, yeah, we'll be back here next week and we look forward to it. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends. Boom, 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 boom.
0: Only so many songs can be sung with two lips, two lungs, and one tongue.